Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Battles, the politicians, the prestidigitators, and magicians. First, you see the money. Then you don't. There's nothing to fill the holes while they're filling their pockets. Potholes. The politicians bouncing down the road. Everybody's wishing for no more corruption and dysfunction. It's gonna take divine intervention. And God bless all out there. You're now listening to the Founders Show. The voice of the Founding Fathers, your Founding Fathers, coming to you deep within the bowels of those mystic and cryptic alligator swamps of the Big Easy, that old Crescent City, New Orleans, Louisiana, and high up on top of that old Liberty Cypress tree, way out on the Eagles Branch. This is your very own Chaplain High McHenry, your Spengiri Baba of the Republic. And before we really get going, I would like to invite you all to take a trip on the Marrakesh Express. Don't you know we're riding on the Marrakesh Express? Don't you know we're riding on the Marrakesh Express? Taking me to Marrakesh all on board the train. All on board the train. I've been saving all my money just to take you there I smell the garden in your head Take the train from Casablanca going south Blowing smoke brings from the corners of my mouth My mouth, my mouth, all the cottons hang in the air Charming coppers in the square Stripes of lepers we can wear at that was Crosby, Stills, and Nash bringing to us the Marrakesh Express, a favorite among many of us baby boomers, and uh, a, a great golden oldie. So I gave you that little song to help us introduce my partner and our journalist Parks Lawrence. And I'm Christopher Tidmore, your roving reporter and resident radical moderate. And hi, I'm broadcasting to you off a beautiful balcony in the Atlas Mountains of Morocco. I've been in Morocco now for a week and covering this incredibly important American ally in, um, in the Muslim world on the area of the war on terror. I've been in Marrakesh. I'm now in the Atlas Mountains, not far from where two young Swedish girls were actually killed in a terrorist incident that has made international news and I came to investigate that and we'll have a special guest to discuss the impact of that it literally I'm looking down at the mountainscape where they where they camped but I wanted to come to Morocco to talk about what the United States has to do to really have a long-term victory on the war on terror we'll talk about that in just a second but before we get into that later in the show 
a great tragedy happened this week in, in the eve of carnival season. On the eve of the Comus Luncheon, a legendary landmark in New Orleans, 2525 St. Charles Avenue, the Dalman Coke Montgomery Grace House on the corner of 3rd Street and St. Charles, burned to the ground. Um, very little of it was saved in a massive conflagration, which will have a much bigger impact on Carnival than most people really appreciate. And we'll talk about that briefly and how a, a essentially the royal palace of Carnival royalty burned to the ground. We'll talk about that in our next uh, segment. But first, hi. Morocco is a fascinating place. Um, of course, it's a monarchy it, with a parliament, but a truly powerful king. And in, like a lot of royal, uh, royal monarchies and absolute monarchies, there's actually more freedom for people here in Morocco than pretty much most of the Muslim world and the so-called democracies I've seen in the Muslim world. The two freest places I've ever seen are here in Jordan, where the rule of law matters. People have relative freedom of speech, and most importantly, freedom of religion. It's worth noting that one of the reasons I'm here in the Atlas Mountains is to meet the Berber people, and particularly to meet some of the Jewish tribes of Berbers that are here. It's, uh, they're, they're, it's a famous part. I went to the museum of this where there, there have been Jewish tribes living in the Atlas Mountains since the time of Solomon, and certainly since the Babylonian captivity, 500 uh, B.C., and they have a rich culture here. Many have gone to Israel, but many have come back. And this is probably the only um, Islamic nation that I know of that has a decent Jewish population, albeit much smaller than it used to be. It was a quarter of a million people in the 1950s. It's down to maybe 30,000 today. But that's 30,000 more than you find pretty much anywhere else. Here in Morocco, there is a, an impact of modernity versus... Um, ancientness. As I'm staying here at the Berber Family Lodge, and we'll have a, our special guest, Mohammed, the proprietor of it, we're going to talk about the fight for education. And he's raising money trying to help young girls, particularly young people, but from the villages around here, be able to get the bus to go to high school, uh, which is 17 kilometers away. You see great infrastructure here, better than most parts of the Muslim world, but you see women who don't have the opportunities. Um, you see all of this. And, and one of the things we have to confront in the war on terror for all the bombs that we send and all the soldiers we have to, and I'm somebody who has been consistent. I supported the Iraq war. I supported uh, involvement in Syria. I've disagreed with President Obama and President Trump on pulling back. No weakness. I've been a reporter, as you know, in many of the hotspots, just like you have been an area expert in Afghanistan, served in Iraq. And for that reason, I wanted to get your viewpoints on this after we talk to our special guest on the importance of education. Um, dealing with the Berbers, they're a much more sophisticated group in the, in the sense that they have greater connection to the modern world, internet, because the, so many of them are involved in tourism. But there are tribal people living in the mountains with who are Islamic, but their own sets of ideas of honor, of appreciation, of hospitality, um, different than the Pashtuns with Pashtun Wali, but there are parallels. And the idea, the one silver bullet for all of this is education and how much, how little it's taking. We're finding out to take a group of children to the local high school is 
$150 a month. $150 a month that um, ends child marriage. $150 a month. That is not for one kid, for a dozen. It changes the arc and perspective of people's lives. And that's what we want to talk about. As I stand here, I'm looking at Mount Tawaki, which is the tallest mountain in North Africa at um, at 4,000... Uh, I'm sorry, it's uh, 6,132 meters. Get out of this, it's about 8,000 feet, seven to 8,000 feet. And it is an incredibly breathtaking place, which I hope people can come visit. And with that, let's turn to our interview. And our special guest is sitting with us at his home, which is known as the Berber Family Lodge looking out over one of the most epic vistas of a mountainscape I have ever seen. The tallest mountain in North Africa is literally right off the balcony, along with snow-covered peaks and one of the most exquisite areas of the Atlas Mountains. Where I sit, uh, the Greeks literally believed there was a titan who held up the, the sky. And I'm uh, sitting on the edge of the sky at the Berber Family Lodge. It, it is a place that came into the news. As we said in the opening, Morocco has uh, been one of the more stable areas in the Islamic world. It has made great uh, strides in education, infrastructure, so on and so forth. And in fact has had the lowest incident of terrorist events of anywhere in the Islamic world. In fact, lower than the United States. In the last 10 years, there were about nine people that were killed in terrorist events. That is what happens in about a about six-month period um, with terrorism in the United States. But one incident came forward recently. I, I was hiking um, with a guide up in the Islamic Mountains that came to an incident. We'll talk about it in a second. And it has brought forward an attitude of people being afraid to come to Morocco. And I think it's, and Mohammed, I want to bring you in, introduce yourself to the audience, if you would. As I sit in your beautiful home, I have rarely felt safer in a country, and I've been to 53 of them, than I've been right here looking out at these mountains. Uh, thank you, sir. Thank you, Mr. Christopher. My name is Mohammed. Uh, I am uh, originally from the area from the Hayatlas Mountain. I born in one village called Agresiwal Village, and they live with my family for a long time ago in this village. I have my primary school in this village from six years old to twelve, and then I moved to Marrakesh for the secondary high school, as there is no no secondary high school in area but now there is a primary school i finished my secondary high school in marrakesh i coming back to my village to help my family and help my village as the village it's in in one place as a difficult to get access in sometimes uh, in in the winter times some very difficult time of year to come with the snow and, and let's talk about that because that's why we're having you on here in the air not only do you did you build a western style guest house in your village that people can come and actually I, I find it fascinating they can stay here for what works out to about 10 to 20 dollars American a little bit more in the season and right down the road Richard Branson the billionaire 
from Britain has a hotel where he charges a thousand euro a night for the exact same view. But the reason why we're having you on is to talk about what's been going on because Mohammed not only has this guest house, um, he's actually a, a proportion of the profits that are made here, a large portion, go towards um, trying to help children, particularly girls in many cases, he's got two daughters, be able to go to high school and, and pursue higher education. And, and, and talk about that, because this is the charity that we want to bring in, and it's so essential to not only Morocco, but to fighting um, some of the images that have happened. You've been dedicated your life to get, having young people from your village and eventually the uh, surrounding villages be able to go. The nearest high school is about 17 kilometers away. Yes. The secondary high school is uh, 17 kilometers from here to Asni as the next city where the kids go to the secondary high school. I am lucky because the before uh, one of the teachers helped me to go to finish my secondary high school and other children and other girls, they are not finished the secondary high school. That's why I'm looking to help the next generation to go to the secondary high school in Asni because the, the school is very important. The education is very important things for the, the development of the area. That's why, I mean, there is uh, some people, they come and stay with me here and they help this for, uh, they support this thing. We gave, we get some little bit of money from them and we pay the bus for the children to go to the secondary high school. At the moment, we have um, uh, four girls, they are in university in Marrakesh and the th uh, 10 or 11 uh, kids, they are in the secondary high school in Asni now. That's why it means a little bit of development, the village. And it's nice for my village, for my uh, people who are living in my village. Now, the village where we're here is one of several villages around the town of Imrail. It's uh, roughly 200 families. And it, it, it goes around this valley that is. It is made up of the Berber peoples. And uh, one of the things in the United States that people... With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. People don't understand is they, they think of the Islamic world as Arab or this. The Berber people are an ancient and noble people. In fact, the Romans fought the Berbers. The Greeks fought the Berbers. They've held on. They predate most civilizations. The language uh, family of Berber is actually one of the oldest languages in the world. Um, and if you could talk about this as, because you're somebody who has this guest house 
here, you welcome foreigners in to stay with your family. But, I mean, you, you have all the amenities, bathroom, full plumbing, heating, which is very important in winter, I've come to find here. But you, you're, you're trying to teach them that the Berbers are an ancient noble people and explain how is it different from what people perceive as the rest of the world. Actually, the, the, the language Berber is a big difference than Arabic. And the first people who are come to Morocco are Berbers. And there is a big difference between the Arabic and the Berber language. In Arabic, uh, in a Berber language, there is, uh, I mean, three dialects. There is Tashlahid and Tarifid and Tamarzir. We are talking here in the area in Tashlahid. The people who are coming to the area, they are interested about learning a little bit of uh, traditions of uh, Berber languages. I have a friend for me, for example, he's from USA. He stayed one year with me in my home, with my family, and he's interested about learning Berber. And he lives now in Boston. He speaks very well uh, Berber. And when I talk with him, he talk with me. And in Arabic, he's very he he like very well the area. And every year they, he come to the to the village, and he know everyone in the village. The traditions is a, a little bit sometimes it's similar uh, because we are uh, I mean. We are Moroccan people, and the Arabic and Berber, sometimes the culture and the traditions, it's a similar, but sometimes it's a big, big difference between these uh, languages, these traditions. I mean, welcome if you like to come to enjoy the, the area, if you like to come to enjoy the Hayatlas Mountain. We are very, very welcoming. We are very happy to host you with my family and with my Berber village. And uh, let's explain this, that this this home, uh, which is up in the mountain, is part of the village. It actually overlooks the entire valley. Um, that Mohammed actually built it. It's a modern home, b bringing things up on mules. So you, 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 you walk up part of the way to get here. But it is full electric and all this. But I bring this, the, the, your, your home with this epic view at $20 a night, this, because this is a place people come to hike. Even There's even a ski lodge on the other side of the mountain. This is a place of great outdoors. It's a famed mountain range. And yet it got a lot of negative press uh, very recently. I, today, one of your uh, friends who was guide took me on a walking, uh, I spent five hours walking at the base of the tallest mountain in North Africa. And um, he showed me the place where two Swedish girls wandered off the trail, camped, and had a bad experience. And what's interesting is in the United States, when you mention Morocco, I said I was going here, people said, oh, you know, there's two Swedish girls. Yeah. They don't know anything else. They couldn't tell you where Morocco is on a map. But they could say the two Swedish girls. What I found incident interesting was that was the only incident that has happened here in two decades and one of the only terrorist incidents. But what was, more, what was fascinating is 70% of the people who live in this valley, about 5,000 to 6,000 Berbers, are involved in the tourism industry. And they're, they're intensely worried. And I, I was curious about that because this is livelihoods. Folks, when you come in this valley, it's epically beautiful. Uh, most people here grow their own crops on tiered farms that are they're built into the side of the mountain, their own food, make their own bread. They're incredibly self-sufficient. So the only outside capital they really get is tourism. And, and you were a guide. You were a mountain guide for years. And can you talk about what happened with these girls, but particularly how it was, 
how it was an aberration, something that doesn't normally happen, and more particularly what the, the, the steps the government has gone to to make sure something like this never happens again. Uh, unfortunately, that's the problem that happened in area in 17th of December. That is the first time the, this like this problem happened in the area, and these people who this the, this problem it's they are not from area here. I mean, the people from area they are actually they uh, like they weren't even from Morocco, were they? Yeah. They are they are like very very much tourism. I mean, because the seventy, if I didn't say eighty percent of the population are working with the tourism. Some of them they are guides. Some of them they are mules. Some of them they have a guest house for uh, hosting the people, and they very very like the tourism. They they get in very happy when they have a tourism, than unhappy if there is no tourism. I mean. This is things that should be the people to understand. I mean, these two girls, they are walking by themselves to the Tupical. It's the highest peak in North Africa with no guide, with nothing. I mean, they stay in one place as this place, it's even for the locals, it's a little bit dangerous. They, I mean, the people, they cannot stay by themselves in this place. And the people, there is a people from local, they ask them to go with them down and they ask them, no, we are going to stay here. And after this thing, I mean, the, about the, the publicity, the people coming and they making videos, they taking the pictures of the area. And there is a many people now asking about, they are in, interesting about climbing, about going to the Tubkal. And this is, uh, I mean, he make just a little bit of advertising of publicity for the area. But unfortunately, we, I mean, we are very sorry about uh, this problem uh, that happening in area. It's not from our culture, it's not from our religion, Islamic, it's not from, I mean, uh, our uh, things that the people can do in, 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 in these things, I mean. And I know the Moroccan government and the king have made it so pretty much, for the most part now, if you want to go hiking, you want to go through, you have to have a qualified guide. Yeah. And who? And these guides are not somebody off the street. They're actually, many of them are licensed by a, a French authority, that and they go and train and take classes and so on and so forth yeah. abroad. So these, these are what we would call in the United States qualified Sherpas, basically. But I, I, I bring up that kind of point because I'm from a, town uh, called New Orleans that has a, a large crime rate and, you know, a young girl can get killed if she goes in the wrong place. Yeah. And I think a lot of the perception in, in travel is people hear one story and they, they fixate upon it instead of saying, wait, how many other th this happened? Oh, you had nine people in 20 years that were killed in terrorist yeah. as We had nine people that were, you know, killed in, in last week you know, in, a, in a bad situation. So... I find that interesting. But I do want to say, I do want to give you a plug on my radio show for this wonderful place I'm staying at the, at the Berber Family Lodge because it is one, probably, I've been, you know, uh, uh, Muhammad's family has fed my wife and I. We've had a wonderful experience with his epic views. And people can come stay here. And it is, I hate to put it to you this way, you get to stay in luxury and it's dirt cheap by American standards. If somebody wants to come stay here, how would they do it? Uh, I mean, anyone who is interested in coming staying, they can uh, make just a reservation and we can take care of it. 
and they can make a reservation through Airbnb or Booking.com or I have my website www.berberfamilylodge.com or they can just email me at berberfamilylodge at gmail.com. This is my emails. Then the people, they can make a reservation. And we are very, very happy to, to host you. Uh, I have a training to, for guiding walking in area for six months. And I mean the, 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 the people, the governments, the king, our king, he make much as possible for the security of the area. There is a lot of gendarmerie police in the area. They taking care of the people who are walking in, in, in the area. Even the locals too, they, they taking care of the tourism and they making sure that all the people are very happy, are very enjoying their stay in the area. Mohammed, as always, thank you very much. www.berberfamilylodge.com. Back to you. Hi, your thoughts? Christopher, thanks so very much for bringing us such a fascinating tour of the Atlas Mountains, the alpine regions of the Atlas Mountains, and the exotic Marrakesh. And as a reply to uh, your thoughts and your uh, testimony and, and, and Mr. Mohammed's uh, testimony, his story. It's really fascinating, and I did have experienced that same thing in Afghanistan with the Pashtuns, who were uh, very different from other Muslims. Apparently, the Berbers are also. The Berbers are fascinating people. They they go all the way back to ancient Nubia. I mean, uh, Numidia, Numidia, and uh, where a, one of my favorite characters in Roman history, King Jugurtha, held a rebellion and a revolution against Rome, and almost won. It's a fascinating story. He's a great commander, and he actually was uh, friends with the Roman general, Gaius Marius, who was after him, who goes down as being one of the greatest of all Roman generals, and that was Julius Caesar's uncle. I believe his military accomplishments eclipsed Caesar's, although that would be a very hard task. So, as far as the Berbers go and the war on terror, and this whole interesting insight you've just given us. What you see here is a people who are more interested in, let's say, a higher virtue than what Islam offers. Uh, Islam says, you know, kill, hate your enemies, hate your neighbors, force them to be Muslims, uh, kill the heretics, the infidels, the Christians and the Jews, by the, ones, by the way, the ones who get at the worlds, that means other Muslims who aren't just like them. Uh, Islam is a religion of, of just ruthless bloodletting. It always has been, if it keeps going like it is, it always will be, unfortunately. However, look at this. The Berbers have found a way to overcome that. We should study their model. We should study Pashtun Wali, which is the uh, social protocols of the Pashtuns in Afghanistan. They have a wonderful, literally Bible-based concept of treating your neighbor right, loving strangers that come to town, on and on and on. You know, the three cups of tea story. You come to town, and as soon as you get there, you're an honored guest, in in the, according to the old ways, uh, before the communists destroyed the country, by the way. That wasn't too long ago. Remember, Afghanistan was the end of the hippie trail. They would start up in England, and they would cut across Europe, end up in I India, all the way down to South India, go, and then they'd swing back up, and they'd end it in... Afghanistan. Why? 
because Afghanistan was such a lovely place, beautiful scenery, but even better, lovely people who were not trying to kill people or force people to be Muslims. They got along with everybody. They didn't care. And they, and they experienced the great hospitality of Pashtun Wallet. You know, the hippies were all about love and, and uh, you know, peace, right? Make, make love, not war. Well, the Afghans fit them well back in those days. We're talking about back in, up until uh, the, the early 1980s when the communists basically destroyed the country. And they've been suffering terribly ever since. And then, of course, the, the, the Wahhabists of Saudi Arabia come in and they get all the refugees and turn them into murderous, bloodletting uh, Muslims, totally contrary to Pashtun Wali. And um, so if we could resurrect these finer versions, let us say, of Islam and try to bring them into all of Islam, it could radically and would radically change the whole war on terror. It would end it uh, because Muslims would be nice people. By the way, for all my years of living with and dealing with and working with and fighting with Muslims, Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Um, I found out that the extreme majority, 90, 95% of them, are good people. And they're not, they would never be a problem. It's just that 5 to 10% that take the Koran literally... And if you do, you don't have an option here. You have to kill Christians, Jews, infidels, and, of course, heretics. So, obviously, Muhammad here sees it a different way. And take a look at this. Uh, le the least examples of terrorism anywhere in the world, least incidents, <laughs> that's pretty good. We need to find out what they're doing, huh? And, um, of course, it's a terrible thing that happened. But, after all, these girls walked into a suicide uh, trap, if you will, a pit, that they dug for themselves. I don't know what was in their minds. I've seen it happen with tourists before. They think they can overcome everything. They're invincible, and they get in trouble because they, they won't understand or listen to the culture of the area and work accordingly. And speaking of that, that's what I did in the military. As a counterinsurgency advisor, I was an expert in what's called human terrain. Human terrain is kind of a new word that was created. It's, it's, it comes out of anthropology. That's the study of man, where you go in and you learn everything you can about the local people their culture, their religion, their, uh, what's, what's up, you know, what are the latest fashions, and on and on and on, the food, everything. And you learn to get along with them. You learn to be like them. You get along with them. And in so doing, you win the hearts and minds of the people. They begin to respect you and admire you, and you can make things happen for peace that way. So uh, that's really the way to win in this war. You will probably not be able to do it with the fanatics. They're too far gone. The only way to deal with them is like Thomas Jefferson said. He said it. He did his human terrain, bought a Koran and read it. It's called the Jefferson Koran. 
And in it, when he finished reading it, he said two things. Not one penny for tribute. We're not paying them off. No more blackmail money like all the European nations were doing. He said, but millions for defense, which today would have been hundreds of billions. And we took our little tiny navy and just a few Marines, a, a platoon of Marines, and we dropped them off in North Africa, and the rest is history. We completely destroyed and crushed that huge Islamic threat to world peace. Uh, one of the great, great times of great maritime terrorism, they were called the Barbary Pirates, and um, holding over one, over a million, a million European slaves in Northern Europe, I mean, Northern Africa. So the Berbers are fascinating people. I've always been interested and fascinated with them. They're very unique and special. I'm really glad you're bringing them to us, Christopher, on this show today. And um, so the key is human terrain. Learn to get along with your neighbors. So I think it is about time for us to take a break now. So without further ado, I'm going to go into our break. And uh, as we hear the beautiful tunes of Armand St. Martin. Today's edition of the Founders Show is brought to you by the Royal Merchant Trading Company at royalmerchant.co. Ladies and gentlemen, it's carnival time, and it's time to make those carnival dishes for those parades. And you want fresh spices to make those wonderful dishes. Spices that may not be available on your grocery store shelves. Some of those spices on the grocery store shelves have been there for as much as 12 to 18 months. Instead, why don't you go to local entrepreneur Barkley Rafferty and her Royal Merchant Trading Company that imports spices from all over the world straight to your table, organic from the farms that was in the uh, ground just some three months ago. And ladies and gentlemen, straight to you. Over 60 spices available at royalmerchant.co or give her a call. Local call, 504-952-5831. That's 504-952-5831. And this month, new subscription pack, Liz Williams of the Southern Food and Beverage Company, putting in five recipes with five spices straight to your door. And of course, Bloody Mary mixes. Always a good idea from Royal Merchant Trading Company. Their award-winning Bloody Mary mix is perfect for getting over those carnival ills. RoyalMerchant.co or area code 504-952-5831. And speaking of carnival, why not have the purple, green, and gold done in flowers? And what better place to do it from? Then Villaries Florist at 1-800-V-I-L-L-E-R-E or VillariesFlorist.com. They specialize in carnival bouquets, carnival corsages, and even baskets for that's favorite someone and favorite parade party. Go to 1-800-V-I-L-L-E-R-E or VillariesFlorist.com and tell them you heard it on the Founders Show. Well, folks, we're back. And again, this is Chaplain High McHenry with uh, my partner, Christopher Tidmore. I'd like to go, kind of review a few things we just went over uh, from the, the earlier section, and that's about education, which plays a major role in changing people's lives. If we could introduce a solid, uh, nonviolent form of education in, in uh, the Islamic lands, like you see in, in Morocco, it would change this whole face of terrorism. It would end up radically mitigating it and bringing it down to a non, a really a non-threat. Education is vital. And did you hear the cost of education? I did this in India. I built a school and a Bible college in South India. And incidentally, our best friend there, our closest ally, was a Muslim. wasn't even a Christian. They didn't have many Christians, but still, this man was a wonderful man. He was a tremendous help to us. And they understand the value of education. Uh, 
when I first arrived on the front gate before it built the building, all we had was a gate and a, and a wall. <laughs> Notice a wall. Everybody in India builds walls. They believe they really work. You know why? They do. Anyway, so um, India is a very dangerous place. That's why everybody has to have a wall. So uh, when I walked up to the gate and the local Malayalam language was written, no prayer allowed here. Now, this was written by the radical Hindus down there, the militant, violent Hindus, and there's a tremendous amount of violence and warfare throughout Hinduism, throughout its history, even going back to its original manuscripts, which encourage and teach violence. This idea of the Hindus being a totally peace-loving people or peace-loving religion is absurd. About 10% of them do practice their religion that way. But the rest of them, you never I mean, you know, they can be very violent. Anyway, these people threatened us very severely. Um, and, and they would come by with torches, you know, burning, threatening to burn us out and all that. They never did. But when they began to find out, and they were convinced we really were building a school, guess what happened? They started to help us because <laughs> they realized how important and vital education is. Did you, it was like this in India too. Did you get the cost of education that Muhammad shared with us? Folks, it's about two bits a day. That's 25 cents a day to educate a child. Certainly, with all the billions and billions of dollars that we spend on every kind of thing, you'd think we could work something into the plan to try to get these people education all over the Islamic world, wherever they'll let us do it, and bring in solid education that teaches, uh, you know, the, the right way, let's say, to for social protocols and for a life of peace, a government with justice and uh, peace, with justice for all, as, as we know. Um, wouldn't that be wonderful if we could have education implemented in Islamic countries like that? It could be done. It would take some doing, some diplomacy, and on and on, but it could be done. And it would really, truly, radically change the face of Islam. You're still going to have your fanatics, and you still have to deal with them. But, you know, wouldn't it be better to let the locals deal with them? Because they can. They probably do it better than we can, if, especially if we're backing them up with what they need. So, folks, think about that. Now, Christopher's got another message for us coming all the way from Morocco, North Africa, and Marrakesh, and the magnificent alpine regions of the Atlas Mountains. Christopher, let's hear the rest of your story. In our... Last little bit today, hi. I wanted to bring up a tragedy that has happened. It was all over the news. It was the first seven-alarm fire that New Orleans has had in over a decade, probably two decades. It's the burning of 2525 St. Charles Avenue, one of the largest houses remaining on the avenue. And it's often known, it's dubbed the Rex House. It's literally, it has had more kings of carnival and queens of carnival and queens of comus as well. Um, than any other place. One family um, in the matrilineal line has owned it, the Dalman family, the Dalman Coke, Montgomery, and to now Grace's own the house. Um, and it caught fire and tragic. And this is not just a tragedy for a family that has or the loss of incredible memorabilia. This is where Rex stops to toast on Mardi Gras Day. This is the center of many of the carnival, the, the most prestigious of the carnival balls. This is the place as a charity, and this is what I want to give credit to the Montgomery's and the Graces for, that essentially they have 
use their home as a way of keeping causes, good causes, um, funded. A lot of news was made a night of Downton Abbey for WYS because it was the one house in all of New Orleans that made it, you know, made it seem like Downton Abbey and they had a big fundraiser, but it's one of the many charitable works this family's done that's given themselves and given so much to the community and for the loss of this house, which is a landmark of carnival history from when the last Rex who lived on the avenue, Mr. Dowman in 1907 was there, to multiple queens and kings of carnival, the Montgomery's, Grace's, Cokes, and Dowman's have all one family for a for hundred years used themselves in really in, in the best sense of the word given back to the people of New Orleans and to watch 92 year old Anne Montgomery lose her house was a heart-wrenching experience and I, this is a place I've gone a lot my family has my wife particularly and her family and it's a place I know you know and I think you, I wanted to ask you how to speak to what this is, the loss for us in Carnival in a particular part of our culture. Yes, Chris, friend, thank you. Yes, I do have many memories from the, uh, the Cock home there, um, Dowman home, uh, Montgomery and Grace home, if you will. Truly the home of many kings and queens of Carnival and, and also of Comus and, and other other uh, balls, Mardi Gras organizations, uh, they played a major role in that, in the in the growth and the development and the ongoing uh, productivity of Mardi Gras for our city. I have one special memory where back in my college years, and I was actually at that time dating the uh, Queen of Carnival for that year. I'll never forget it. And we were there, and uh, I met old Mrs. Cock. She was, could have been herself in her 90s at the time. She was very old. Uh, my father, if he was still living, would have been uh, very old himself. He had passed away when I was 10 years old. So anything I could learn about Papa was always so important to me. And I remember her telling me about Papa. And she remembered him in the fondest of ways and said the most complimentary things about him. It was just such an encouraging experience to have that and uh, to meet a, a, a person from history if you will, who knew another part of the, of the time scale that most of us had long forgotten or knew very little about, and yet it was part of her life. And so it was fascinating to uh, hear her tell, talk about the old days and my father and, and Mardi Gras and everything. And uh, it will be missed. It's always been a special place for me as I drive down the avenue. I look over at it fondly and um, remember the, the great families and that that have done so that live there have done so much for new orleans and then the great house that it is that it was and hopefully we'll come back perhaps they'll rebuild it we don't know time will tell i hope they do so i, I have no further thoughts on this other than to say let us pray for the grace and montgomery and cock family that uh they will be encouraged and they will know that they have a much better place than that on the other side that Jesus has prepared mansions for us all who will believe in him. So if you've never believed in him, you better get busy and doing it. start doing it. Doesn't take long, not hard to do, and you're going to learn all about it in just a little bit as we go into our chaplain by bye gospel moment toward the end of the show. But it'll be the most important decision you'll ever make in your life to finally give up on yourself, if you will. Quit trusting yourself just for a moment 
So you're free to finally put faith alone in Christ alone and really believe that he's the only hope you have, that without him you are hopeless and helpless, that he is the only hope and the only way. And you just might do that, and that's going to be, you'll be issued the key to your mansion at that point, which will make that magnificent home, uh, 2525 St. Charles Avenue, that carried so many flags of the royalty of, of Mardi Gras, of, of Carnival, that um, it's just, it's just a, <laughs> tremendous. But that your home in heaven is going to be so much better, so much more wonderful, so much more magnificent and exciting. So... Um, uh, those are my thoughts on all of this. And so without further ado, I think it is time for us to go into another break. Uh, uh, one more thought for Mohammed. I want to thank you, Mr. Mohammed, for being on the show with us today. You are very uh, special and very insightful, and you are a blessing to us today on our show. Thank you, Mr. Mohammed. God bless you. And um, we'll, be, we'll be back shortly, folks. Folks, that was indeed a great tragedy about those two girls, Swedish girls, who were tragically murdered by terrorists just recently. Certainly they understood what desperation is. Well, folks, perhaps you all have your own desperation. And if you do, I would like to invite you to one of the finest radio shows in the country today, Desperate Reality, brought to you by one of the finest charities in America, and that is the New Orleans Mission. And I am on the New Orleans Mission. This is Chaplain Jaime McHenry. I am also on the show, Desperate Reality. I am the chaplain counselor in the background. I'm also one of the originators of the show. And I'm a, a very great uh, enthusiast of the show because it really is bringing help to so many who need it, so many who have their own desperations. We get, we're the only live reality rescue talk show in America heard from sea to shining sea across our fruited plains. If you want to find out more about us, if you want to listen to the show every Saturday night from 10 p.m. till midnight, go to DesperateReality.com and check us out. You will not be disappointed. I promise you, you're going to really love this show. You'll hear stories from the rich and the famous, middle-class folks, and plenty of down-and-outers, uh, the urban poor, the homeless. We get a lot of callers from the homeless. And um, so... Check us out, DesperateReality.com. You will be blessed, you will be encouraged, and you will learn how to overcome your own desperate reality if, in fact, you have that. And also, now I'd like to tell you about our ministry, Lamb Ministries. We're an inner-city ministry with an inner-city focus for inner-city folks, Lamb Ministries. Please go to our website, L-A-M-B-N-O-L-A dot com. That's Lamnoah dot com. And check us out. We have tremendous challenges. We need all the help we can get. As you can see, we're dealing with folks who have their own great desperate realities. And I'm talking about the urban poor, inner city kids. These are known as the short-termers, the future criminals of America. Short-termers mean by, means by their mid-20s, they're either going to be dead, in jail for life, or living at the homeless mission. This is indeed a great tragedy happening right within our own country, within our own city. So please, folks, we need all the help we can get. We need financial support. We need volunteers, and we need prayer warriors. 
So if you are so inclined for any of this, please give us a call, get in touch with us, go to our website, lambnola.com, and if you'd like to call us, the phone number is 504-723-9369. So thank you so very, very much as we return to the Founder Show. And we're back, and this is Chaplain High McHenry. And it is now time for us to go into our Chaplain Baba patriotic moment. We just take a brief moment to give you a little education into the founding of America. What, is our, what are our foundational principles? Upon what are we based? Well, it's very clear, very preponderant, very evident, and that is that America was founded upon the Bible. We have a jury... Judeo-Christian jurisprudence in America. And every day when I come to this section, I pull out famous people from America, from pre-colonial times even up to today, people who really helped shape this country, and look into their insights and their statements about the founding of America, about the reason for America, about the growth of America, about the development of our country. And today I want to go back to the founding period to one of the, the guy who gave more speeches during the uh, writing of the Constitution, in fact, and was known as the penman of the Constitution because he actually wrote it. Now, I don't mean it was all his ideas. I mean, he was the, the scribe, if you will, who he was a court reporter, if you will, who was writing it all down. And certainly if he gave more speeches than any other founding father, he was deeply involved in the, in the birth of America. His name was Governor Morris. He's known as the father of American education. Imagine that the father of American education. So let's see what he had to say about education. And of course I'm bringing this up because we talked about education on the show. Governor Mars said that the only firm foundation for education is religion. For it is by religion, biblical religion, that morals are taught, which is the firm foundation of any culture, of any people. And without God and without the Bible, it would be impossible to lead a government, to create a government, to establish peace and safety and prosperity in our land. Now, that was Governor Mars. Uh, do you think he kind of wanted to keep a God in government, certainly in education? I believe he did, folks. And he sounds just like all the founders of the various great ed- schools we have in, in America, Yale, Harvard, all of them. They all said they were founded upon the religion of Jesus Christ. Benjamin Franklin made it very clear in the founding of the public school systems of Philadelphia, the first public schools in America, we said it was founded upon Jesus Christ, the cornerstone of education. And when he founded University of Pennsylvania, which at the time was called University of Ben Franklin, uh, he said the same thing again on the cornerstone, in the charter, that Jesus Christ is the foundation of education. Well, folks, clearly our founding fathers had every intention of making sure that biblical morals, that God, that the Holy Bible remained as a foundation for America and for American government. Well, I don't know about you, but you should think about your own foundation. Where are you, folks? Well, it's very important to know because one day we're going to pass on. We'll no longer be on planet Earth. We'll be in another place. And uh, you need to know what is involved and where might you be going at that time in your life at the end of your life on this earth. Well, folks, it, so I will now, we will now go into our chaplain, Baba, 
gospel moment where I'm just going to take a brief moment to show you how you can know that you know that you know you're saved from a burning hell and you're guaranteed heaven. Have you ever thought about eternity, folks? You know, it just doesn't end. And once you cross over to the other side, there are no more second chances. On planet Earth, God gives you many second chances, sometimes hundreds and thousands, because he's desperate to have you with him forever. His love demands mercy, demands forgiveness, demands acceptance of you. But one thing about acceptance is it's a two-way street. Love is a two-way street. It's not just one person doing it all. Both are involved. Now, God's done, if you will, the lion's share of this. He's done the extreme heavy lifting when it comes to your eternity. And remember, once you cross over to the other side, if you end up in a burning hell, there's no way out. There's no back door. There are no more chances. It's over with. You will remain in this horrible place called hell forever where the flames never die, where the stench never goes away, where the, the depression and the discouragement is endless, the hopelessness of it all never leaves. You will be living in a land of zombies, wandering around, growling, and, and living in a state of complete hopelessness. Despair off the charts. God didn't want that for you folks. He wanted heaven for you, where everything is happy and bright and glorious and wonderful, where God's love is unsearchable, is un infathomable. You'll never run out of it. You'll never run out of his goodness. His happiness, his joy is all for you in heaven where he wants you. And this is what you have to do. I said, love is a two-way street, and God's done the heavy lifting for that. He did that by becoming a man. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he did it by dying for all of your sins on the cross, from the day you were born to the day you die, from your smallest to your greatest sins. They all went on the cross and were washed away with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, he that knew no sin, that's Jesus, was made sin, all of your dirty, rotten sins, mine also, that you, that we, might be made the righteousness of God in him. He takes all your bad to give you all his good. So the first step about all this is to believe and know you cannot save yourself, that you're hopeless and helpless without God, without Jesus. That's called repentance. When you come to that point in your life where you know you can't save yourself, guess what? Now you're ready to believe that only he can, that he did, and that he will save you from a burning hell and guarantee you everlasting life. Folks, if you've never done this before, do it now. Believe that he died for all your sins. That's when he took care of your sin problem, and he took care of the second problem, your death problem when he rose from the dead to win for you his precious free gift of resurrection everlasting life. So quit trusting in yourself. That's repentance. Believe you can't save yourself. That's repentance. That's the first step. Then the next, It's all belief. It's all faith. No good works here. No nothing you can do to add to it. It would kill the deal because whatever we have to offer is never going to be good enough for God because he's perfect and we're not. In fact, the scripture says all our righteousness are his filthy rags. So quit trying. You don't need to try anymore. Just let him save you. Let go and let God. The next step after repentance by believing you can't save yourself is this step. Believe that he can, that he will, and that he did save you from a burning hell and guarantee you his resurrection, everlasting life in heaven forever by dying for all your sins and rise from the dead. Put faith alone in Christ alone. If you've never done it before, folks, do it now. Don't wait till it's too late. You may not get an, another. I mean, tonight might be, or to, today, whatever, might be your big day. 
time to cross over to the other side. That day is coming. It is inevitable. You can't run from it. You can't hide from it. One day, you will face your death, the end of it all. Where do you want to be, folks, after that? Well, guess what? I've got my reservations for heaven, and I know they're guaranteed because God said they are. He said you will in no wise lose your salvation once you put childlike faith in Jesus Christ, that he died for all your sins and rose from the dead. Well, I hope you've done that. If you haven't, do it now. The scripture says today, now is the day of salvation. Again, like the old country preacher said, don't wait till it's too late. Well, it is time for us to go. Thanks so much for being with us on the show today. As we now close with Amon St. Martin singing a quill goodbye. And God bless y'all out there. They call it Creole goodbye. They think we're just wasting our time. But a minute all three say bon, say la vie. There's time for a Creole goodbye. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.